Well, hello, welcome to That Was The Worst Podcast Ever, a podcast where two pals talk about two fans, Stevens, and their love <laughs> of his amazing tunes. I'm Jordan Clausen, coming at you straight from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Oh, hi, I'm Justin. I'm coming from you from Calgary here in the church office. Jordan, uh, today we released the uh, Michigan episode, which we actually recorded a long time ago. Yeah. And I was listening to it today. And in the episode, the church phone rings. Yeah. And I think it's so funny that I don't answer it. Yeah. I'm just like, hey, everyone, I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, I'm never going to that church. (laughs) Uh, In my defense, it was on my day off. So, yeah. Sure, this is what I want to know. We were talking about gifts on our Christmas episode. I want to know, how did gifts go this year for you and Olivia? Yeah, so I got her a, what is it, a Gammon watch? Is it called Gammon? Oh, yeah. It's like a smart watch, like kind of a step below Apple Watch maybe. But Olivia really loves to run and be active and do exercise, the opposite of me, so... Um, she, so she can track like her heart rate and her run times and all that stuff on this watch. So that's what I got for her. And she got me, I really love, um, alcohol, drinking, getting drunk. So she got me, (laughs) uh, she got me just kidding. Um, she got me, uh, it's like a a decanter, like a scotch decanter. Um, like one of those kind of classic square one, like from Mad Men. Did you ever watch that show? Oh yeah. Yeah. Does it have scotch in it, or it was just it's just a yeah? It container. has scotch in it because I got scotch from my parents also for for Christmas. So, you know, scotch to me tastes like like spicy wood. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Interesting. Well, uh, that's my opinion. Yeah. Like, do you have you ever had like peaty scotch that's like a little more smoky? Do you like that? Well, here's what I'm wondering. Yeah. What is scotch? Because I've had whiskey. Scotch is, is Scottish whis- whiskey. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've had much scotch, but I've had whiskey. And I don't mind it. I don't mind sipping on it. I don't like shots. I think shots are horrifying. Yeah. Nobody likes shots. Only like 19-year-old girls like shots. Oh, one time it was my brother-in-law's birthday and he got a new, he got like whiskey for his birthday and he had me do shots. And then we talked about Star Wars for like... 20 minutes and it I felt amazing and then the rest of the night I was laying on my in-laws toilet floor and then my mother-in-law had to drive me home at like 11:30 at night. Oh, like you threw really... up. Yeah, I w- I actually was sitting at the dinner table. They brought me a bowl. I started throwing up. I must have had a couple beers too. And then I spent the rest of the night on my in-laws bathroom floor. Courtney went home with the kids, and then I had this, like, embarrassing drive home with my mother-in-law at, like, 11.30, just, like, taking me home. And then I told my brother-in-law that um, I'd never want to do that again. Oh, wow. Did you feel guilty? Yeah, of course. <laughs> you, should tell them, very you, little. you should tell everybody that story where, remember, we were, like, really young, and you were, like, Everybody gets drunk except me, so then you got a bottle of red wine or something. Do you remember that story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, I don't... Yeah. 
All right, everyone. You know what? <laughs> I'm an open book. If you're, yeah. Um, I had never, I, I was well over, I was married. It was before we had kids. So I'm in my, you know, I'm probably like 25 or whatever. And I was like, I've never actually felt drunk before. And I made Courtney a nice dinner and we poured ourselves glasses of wine. And then she had to go somewhere. And so while I was doing dishes, I was like, you know what? I have the house to myself. I was like, I'm just going to finish off this bottle of wine. And so I did. And again, I only felt great for about 15 minutes. I looked at myself in the mirror. I remember doing that. And then I watched YouTube videos. And then I just started throwing up purple throw up for like the next six hours. (laughs) And Courtney came home from whatever she was doing. And I was just like crying on the bathroom floor. Like, I got drunk. Sounds like a Superman lyric. (laughs) Yeah. And there was like purple barf everywhere. And I had to, I wasn't a pastor at the time, but I think I was leading, you know, a Sunday school class. This was a Saturday night and I had to like call in and be like, I can't go to church today. And they were like, (laughs) why? And I was like, I just don't feel good. And, um, and then of course I felt so guilty and yeah, that's been, so that's anyway. So I, I can't handle alcohol. It's not really my thing. I don't, it, it, yeah, but I'm glad you enjoy it in moderation, of course, Jor. <laughs> <laughs> so all that to say, that's a great gift, Jordan. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Yeah, we're actually going to do Sober January this year. We we try oh. to do it, actually, we try and do a, a Sober Month once a year just to kind of make sure that we're, well, especially like, I'm not, I don't want to speak for Olivia. I, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, have self-control and all that. So It's true. Well, I mean, I think we're anxious people and vices are always right around the corner saying, why don't you use me to fix all your issues? Exactly. And I'm like, yes, yes, please come. Come right in. <laughs> <laughs> so you got this great Christmas gift and you can't do anything with it for a month. Yeah, well, that's why I'm just trying to drink all my scotch right away. <laughs> <laughs> that's the idea it's like your what do they call it shrove tuesday before your lint yeah exactly it's like mardi gras yeah, yeah. you're <laughs> which which makes perfect <laughs> sense so you're in your mardi, mardi gras phase yeah exactly just how just how jesus likes it <laughs> <laughs> um, what about what did you get for olivia uh, you already said the Garmin watch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. you got the watch. Oh, I'm sorry, Jordan. No, no, that's fine. It's um, You think it's just boring. I get it. Garmin. I watch? guess it was so boring that I already forgot. <laughs> oh, no, it's Garmin. It's Garmin, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, How about you? Um, what did no, you? No light bulbs this year? So since the light bulb disaster, Courtney just gives me a short list, and I just go off of that list. I like that better. She likes that better. This year was great. Um, I got her a, a necklace that has the Three Sisters Mountains on them from Canmore. So uh, Canmore is kind of like, for our listeners, it's like a little mountain town like Banff that's about an hour away from here. And there's mountain peaks called the Three Sisters, and we have three daughters. So I don't know. It was just kind of a special thing. She told me to get it, but I did get it. Nice. And she loved it. So I like that exact a, uh, necklace she told you? It wasn't just like, get me a necklace. It was like, 
that necklace. <laughs> yeah, no, it was that <laughs> necklace. Like, like she went to the mall, took a picture of that <laughs> necklace, and then texted me and said, buy this necklace. <laughs> so I nice, did. Nice. Yeah, and then our mutual friend, Beth, I bought her. Beth, um, the new Balearic's sister. Yeah. We've talked about. Beth Mance, uh, yeah. Yeah. Or she Beth, paints Beth Freeman now. Beth Freeman, yeah. And where is she now, Nova Scotia? Yeah, I think she lives in Halifax. Yes, that's right. And um, she paint, She did this amazing art piece of a thrift store shelves, and she painted it, and I got Courtney a print of that, and that was a big hit as well. So actually, I should plug, if you want to check out Beth Freeman on Etsy, um, it's good stuff. Yeah, her stuff's amazing. And uh, yeah. So, yeah, so it was good. And Courtney got me a bunch of um, the Do- – I really like baseball, and the Dodgers won the World Series this year. And so I got a lot of shirts and hats that just say, like, world champions on it. Cool. And I look like – I look like, you know, the moment a team wins, they change into, like, new hats and shirts, like, on the field. Yeah. So I basically look like a player that just won the World Series, and I kind of like walk around the house like that. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> so, Jordan, twenty twenty, what it, what it, as we look back on this year, what are your thoughts, and what are you hoping for for twenty twenty one? I mean, I'm trying to think of something original to say, but. I, mean, I have something original to say. Oh, you're going to be it like... It was a total was- dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> 2020 was a dumpster fire. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard that, actually. The, I, most people yeah, are I know. Like, I talking see. about how much they love, loved it. Um, yeah, well, guess what? It was flaming garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there like a new show or something on like that's like 2020? It's just about how shitty 2020 was. Yeah, I saw, did you watch it? No. I haven't watched it. No. I don't really like no. that kind of thing. No. Although, should we let our listeners in that I'm, we, Courtney and I really got into the Nexium cult documentaries and I'm trying to get you and Olivia into it? Yeah, well, we watched, we binged the whole doc of, um, what's it called? Seduced. The, seduced yesterday. Yes. What'd you think? Um, Does it live up to the hype? Did I hype it up too much? You might, I mean, it was good. There were some things about it. I I thought the documentary was really interesting. I thought the main girl was like, oh, I mean, I should be careful how I say this. Like, I felt uh, she was a uh, a victim. And so I really, like, thought she was brave and courageous and all that. But I also was kind of like, it just seemed like in her, the interviews that she was, like, acting. Did you notice that? I thought that too. Like she was just kind of like, it was like she was reading a script poorly. And Uh I just found that so confusing because I was like, this is like an experience that you should be able to just kind of say off the cuff. But Uh I don't know. It was weird. I I had that thought too. And then I just wondered, maybe that's just how she talks. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe she had to do different takes. I don't know. I wondered if maybe she just like, felt more comfortable like writing stuff out that she was going to say or something first and so yeah. then they had cue cards or something but yeah. that was a little off-putting in my in my mind jordan don't nitpick that's one <laughs> little no. thing it, it just okay it was just kind of like 
Oh, you can't see my face, so you can't really know, but it was kind of like... And then I thought to myself, sure, I can do this. Like, that kind of thing, you know? Just, like, <laughs> like kind of weird. Anyway. Um, I don't know why, but just the story of Nexium and, and executive success programs and all that. Like, Courtney and I are so obsessed with it. And the next thing you have to do is watch The Vow, which is HBO's uh, mm-hmm. documentary, which is, it fills in gaps and it's much slower and... Oh. and yeah. We, I thought the story was really interesting and so dark and, like... Actually, I think you said this in a text to me, but like really relatable actually in like a lot of, to a lot of kind of charismatic Christianity stuff that yes, I grew yeah. up with. Like certain things, especially just like when they were talking about like cultic tendencies of like, mm-hmm. huh, they'll like bring you and um, kind of make you kind of give you this confession time that's really vulnerable and basically let you have an experience with your memories. Like there was some stuff that was straight out of the charismatic playbook. Like, um, it's kind of scary. Like go back to that, that place, go back to that feeling, relive that in your mind. And then we'll like try and like generate a different outcome. Like that is, that is a practice in charismatic Christianity where they call it like listening prayer, where you go in and you reimagine a trauma but then you try and imagine Jesus in the trauma with you and like kind of. Yeah, but and that's EMDR um, therapy. Like it's not bad. Right, right. You know, like there are in context, safe context is good. And it, and it actually did help the people in Nexium. The problem is, is that's the entry into the cult. So it, I think it, it has positive things, but then there's this kind of maniacal a megalomaniac, um, like narcissist at the head of it, that the closer you get to him, he starts becoming really abusive. Yeah. So, because I had to just be like, hold on, I'm doing that in therapy. And I'm like, is that bad? But then I was like, no, that's fine. Like, it actually is helping people. It's just, it was a way to get people trapped in this thing. Right. Because really, what they did was like, they talked about how they kind of stole different elements from a lot of different. A lot of different like practices and thing, and then that are real, you know, like that aren't necessarily oh, yeah. bad per se. But the bad thing about it was that it was like all kind of setting up this structure of power <laughs> that led to <laughs> extreme abuse, like terrible, and, terrible stuff. And didn't you think Keith Raniere? So, if I'm sorry if you guys don't know what we're talking about, but Keith Raniere, is, anyway, when you first saw him, were you like this little dorky guy? Like, yeah, did you ever have that thought? Like, he's such, like, a little dorky guy. And, like, they'd all go watch him play volleyball and stuff. And i just feel like, why do you guys care about what this guy thinks? But, I actually, but he was just so manipulative. Again, he kind of reminded me of, like, a charismatic pastor or something, you know? Well, this is a good question because I this came up with Courtney and I is, have you ever just cared so much about what somebody thought of you? But then the moment you leave that job or that place or that church, you're just like, why did I even care? Like, their opinion of me now means nothing. Like, why did I ever care? Yeah. That's what Keith Raniere reminded me of is like, why do you guys even care? Like, he's such a weird little, like, he loves to play little volleyball. Like, (laughs) yeah, totally. (laughs) Anyway, but it just reminded me, like, why do I care so much what people think? They're all Keith Raniere's. Yeah. No, anyway, I, Jory, I, I, I have that all the time. I have that with you, actually. Do you care what I think? I think that I used to, and then 
later I was like, why did He's I just care about this paper squeak? <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. I always care about what you think. No, but there are, there are certain folks. Well, we who... always used to go on walks at 2 a.m. and I would like, I would, <laughs> I would ask you about your allegiance to me. That's true. And then you branded me. So maybe that's oh. why. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, I hope you have never cared what I think about you. No, no. I, I've, I'm just socially awkward and nervous, and I care about what everyone thinks about me. Do you do, do you, that? I think, uh, see, I just see you as more kind of like a, you're like a, on the Enneagram, you're like a social four, right? Or I don't know. Courtney, Courtney thinks I'm a sexual four, which oh. is apparently like the meanest number on the Enneagram. Oh, really? No, because you're so nice. Like in some ways I would have thought maybe that you're an Enneagram nine or a two because maybe we shouldn't talk about this on the podcast, but um, you're just so kind of like, you're such a peacemaker and I, you, I know you don't like conflict, like, or not, not that you don't like conflict, but like even like before we started this podcast, I was telling you about some personal stuff and um, some of the things I know you probably don't agree with, but you were very kind of, you just make a space you want to make sure that people feel safe to, and that people don't feel opposed. That's true. And it's not that I didn't agree with it. It's honestly that I just, sometimes I just care about the person that I'm not thinking about whether I agree or not. I'm just thinking about like, how, how, right. this, how do I help? And See, but I'm more kind of like, I want to get into a debate. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. You like to stir the pot. Yeah, I do. Often I do. It depends. Like, <laughs> you know what it is? It's just like, I just find kind of like cordiality really boring a lot of the time. And so yeah. I just like want to see people kind of like actually say something that means something to them. And so it's like, yeah, yeah. Just, you like to just push that. Yeah. That requires a bit of security. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I feel confident and I feel co- confident in a lot of my views like i feel like i've done a lot of work to kind of figure out what i think about things and so i do feel confident yeah that's good because even like i think i'm still working on that even putting out this podcast is like really hard for me and it's terrifying yeah and something i never told you is we recorded our we recorded three episodes in the summer and the michigan episode was the last of those Mm -hmm. i was listening back to them unedited and i just thought i I don't know how to tell Jordan, but I don't want to release these. <laughs> like, I just started to feel incredibly insecure and, like, really? these are so bad. And and I still do. I was listening to the Michigan episode today, and I was like, man, I just, I just, I just sound so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you sound dumb. But this is what I think. I think back then I just, I was feeling like I had to have these profound informational things about Sufjan Stevens and listening back, I'm like, who cares? Yeah. Cause really people just want to hear us talk. That's why they're here. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> but I think that's what's helped me is a lot of people were like, I just really enjoy hearing you and Jordan talk. And I, and I was like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I, I'm not a total dumpster fire. Yeah. Like 2020. 2020 is the dumpster fire. Not me. Oh, yeah, so that was the question you asked me. I didn't answer that. So Well, yeah, that's fine. No, you, I want to answer you, it. Okay, go ahead, Jor. So, I, don't, uh, like, I feel like, actually, the year was a total dumpster fire. Um, I know. So it was. <laughs> no, I, I feel like it was... Uh, so, in some ways, I actually think 
I actually really valued the time because in some way yeah. it, it feels like a, um, I don't know, like I have, a, like for example, like when, say in non-COVID times, like I kind of like getting sick because I feel like I can just do nothing and not feel guilty about it. Yeah. And so I'll just stay home and read and I'll do all these things that I like don't usually do because usually I'm kind of like, oh, I got to be working and I got to get stuff done. And Yeah. Um, but you have permission now. Yeah. You give yourself permission. And so I feel like there's been a lot of that kind of time in COVID. Yeah. Um, to just be like, okay, like, you know, I can actually rest because there's nothing else I can do. I, I, I'm not allowed to do anything else, literally. Yeah. Um, yep. And... So, yeah, that's been really good. But then, and, and I think at first also it kind of felt like this big sleepover, you know, like the world was just like having a sleepover. Like, yeah, uh-huh. like in March, it was in March, it was like everybody's in their home and we're all in this together and everybody thought it was going to last a month. So yeah. everybody was like, everyone's banging pots at 7 p.m. every night. Just like, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah we're doing it. <laughs> we're beating COVID together. It was like before we realized that it was going to last like until a vaccine game. And now people are like calling 911 on their neighbors because they think they have somebody over for dinner. You know, yeah. <laughs> like nobody, <laughs> nobody has any sense of camaraderie anymore. No. And every, now it's like we're more divided than ever. But in March, we really felt like we were together. Yeah. And so that. And it was fun. And you were doing like Instagram live concerts. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Yeah, and I feel like at first it was, like, fun. It was kind of like, oh, this is cool. This is different. Um, I don't know. And Olivia and I would just, like, like no guilt, just, like, drink a six-pack every night, watch two movies, and just, like, <laughs> crush a bag of chips. And okay, you and I, I think you and I talked about this off-air, but the no kids with a significant other is winning quarantine. It is, it is the best situation, yeah. Because I think single people, it's really hard and really awful. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really hard. Um, and <laughs> having kids, it's kind of hard, too. I don't think yeah. it's as hard as being single. But there are with being locked in a house with three kids whom I love, hello, do I have to... Do I have to give that qualifier? I love them. Um, yeah. But sometimes I'll just sit down in the basement and I'll just be like, nobody talk to me for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> like, I need the noise to stop. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> I mean, I don't get but that, that because fun. It's, my apartment's just quiet and we just do whatever we want. But anyway, I was going to say, like, as the year's gone on, like, all of those, all of that novelty has worn off. And now I just deeply hate covid like there's nothing i like about it anymore like i'm just like yeah get it just jab that freaking needle in my arm and like let's move on you know yes oh yeah and so are you hopeful for next year are you looking are you looking at 2021 going it's gonna be better what we're gonna um yeah, I mean, I think also one thing that's really hard is that my in some ways my career is on a hold. I also like really love to travel and so I haven't yeah. gone to travel and I was supposed to travel a lot this year actually. Um and so yeah, I I mean, I know that the You always p- talk about how great Vancouver is, Vancouver. Bleh. 
Why don't you go explore the great city you live in? What do you mean, d- d- talk about how great Vancouver is? I, I think I... You talk I, about Calgary like it's crap <laughs> and Vancouver is <laughs> no, so great. That, there's a difference between talking about Calgary like it's crap and, <laughs> ta- and just saying Vancouver. I do think Vancouver is an awesome city. It I've is, never been, but... Yeah, you live the province over you've never been. It's a travesty. <laughs> but... Um, Oh, yeah, uh, I can't remember what I was going to say. Anyway. Yeah, sorry. I cut you. Oh, the traveling part. You really oh, like yeah, to travel. Oh, yeah, I was supposed to travel, and so that uh, I know that festivals this year are already booking So for summer. So a oh, lot good. of people are counting on this vaccine is going to pull through in the spring. So, And which vaccine do you want, the Pfizer one or the other one? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm going to be a pretty big fan of the Pfizer I'm going to do both. Oh, wow. Two, like two jabs of each? Uh-huh. Nice. I'm stealing that from a tweet. I'm such a hack. <laughs> I saw this guy tweet. He's like, I really like the Pfizer one, but the other one also has uh, some benefits. So I'm going to keep trying both and I'll let you know which one I like better. And I thought that was really funny. Speaking of funny uh, tweets, did we already talk about the Eve 6 Twitter account? So we talked about it off air, but let's bring our listeners into it. <laughs> it's really funny. Like I know. So, okay. So just a bit of background. Eve six. If you're if you were born, I don't know, in 1996 or something, and you're, I don't know. Eve six was this, like, uh, what would you get? They were like alternative 90s rock and roll. Just like a standard alternative. Yeah, alternative 90s. Early 2000s. But the bass player had his septum pierced, and I was like, that is crazy. That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, and Eve 6 is back in the ether because their Twitter account is crazy. Yeah. It Basically, the lead singer of, of, the lead singer of um, Eve 6 just has lost all hope or something. And so he, <laughs> he just, has nothing to lose. He just tweets the funniest stuff. Like... I was literally a virgin when I wrote the Heart in a Blender song. <laughs> There's, like, no punctuation e- either. <laughs> and he really doesn't like Third Eye Blind. The guy, for, he's, like, revealing that in the 90s, Third Eye Blind was not cool. But who, he was saying that some guys were really nice. I forget who. Yeah. Uh, but basically, if you want dirt on 90s alternative rock and roll, go to the Eve 6 Twitter account. And find out all the secrets. Yeah. Why do I have... Here's another one. Why do I have the overwhelming feeling that the Smash Mouth guy has diarrhea right now? <laughs> <laughs> He's oh, great. Yeah. I told you this, but uh, Eve 6 came from uh, La Crescenta, just the town over from Sunland. They're wow. like hometown heroes. Yeah. Did you ever meet the, them? No. But I told you I had a friend say that he was... His babysitter was that lead singer from Eve Six, which I can't verify, but apparently that's how the story goes. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know. I I would need to. Yeah. Sorry. Don't you feel like junior high and elementary school kids just said the most outrageous lies just to be accepted? So it's like hard to know what was true. Totally, I did all the time. <laughs> do you Do you remember what your best lie was? Uh. I remember, like, saying that I went to the hockey game the night before, so that I didn't. <laughs> like, my dad took me to, to see the Canucks. Like, no. You, you know what I love is, what does that lie 
gain. It's just somebody's like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like because that was I don't status. think any more of you. That it's was like, whoa. You went to a hockey game. Yeah. It's like or like I, hey, I got these new Nike sneakers. They're awesome, and like it's literally a garment. Like, why, why do you think that makes you a better person? I don't know. But when I was in grade seven, it did. Did you actually have them or you lied about them? No, I'm saying, like, the kinds of things that gave you status at that age were oh, so stupid. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I remember yes. my friend Curtis, like, had the barber shave a Nike sign into, the, into his hair <laughs> in the back. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. And everyone was like, what an awesome guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's... Better now that he has the Nike swoosh in his head. Yeah. <laughs> I remember lying that I could kickflip before I could kickflip. And then, like, I would tell people, like, yeah, I can kickflip. And then it came to the point where they were like, okay, do it. And I, and then I, I'd always just be like, oh, you know what? My sh- I'm not wearing the right shoes today. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, yeah, stuff totally. like that. And then when I did learn how to kickflip, I just... I'd be like, okay, fine. I'd learn how to kickflip, and then I'd do it. And I remember a group of people standing around, and this one guy goes, uh, that was mob. Like, mob was skater slang for just, like, a bad kickflip. Oh. Yeah, Ouch. like, you don't kick. It's when you don't kick your foot out enough. Were you so, ever oh, involved in any, like, skate for Jesus kind of ministries? I started one. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, where? In what? It was it was when I was in Youth of the Mission in Australia. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really start it. I started it with some other people. It was part of a bigger youth ministry. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, that was, but that was like a, some, sorry, I wasn't making fun of your work. But what you're, I think what you're thinking of is like demos where like there's really good skaters and then at the end they're like, we do this for Jesus. Yeah. I never did that. Okay. I was never that good. Oh, okay. No, I, I was more just like taking giving kids an opportunity to go to skate parks and learn how to skateboard kind of that's cool or do you want to make fun of that (laughs) (laughs) and then uh, uh, so they would come and then they'd learn and then at the end you'd be be like okay see you later steve also jesus loves you like that well yeah yeah nice of course yeah that's good and then it yeah and then um yeah and and genuinely help them in their lives. Like I don't know what you're trying to do here, Jordan. <laughs> no, no, I, I all, mad respect, mad respect, dog. Um, okay, well, I'm looking at this map we, here of um, Sunland, and then what was the town over? You said Tahunga. Well, look at La Crescenta. La Crescenta. Try, yeah, try and find. Is La it Crescenta. farther east or farther west? I think it's. East, are you like fact checking me? No, no, I'm just, I'm just. See, I'm just kind of a really visual learner. So I, when you say this, I'm like, oh, I want to see. I want context. Where is this in LA? Because I've spent a lot of time in LA. Okay, so it's gonna go Sunland, Tahunga. You should be getting into La Crescenta. Oh, Crescenta Highlands. That's what they or call La, it. They just La call Crescenta it. La Cañada. Oh yeah, that's really close. Wow. Yeah, close to Briggs Terrace d- too. Apparently, that's where Eve Six was from. I never met them, but try to babysit. He was a babysitter, okay? Okay, and he babysat you. I bet if I tweet at him now, he'll get back to me. 
Yeah, you should tweet at him and be like, hey, man, just Did lie. you babysit this kid? <laughs> you should just say that he babysat you. It's like, hey, did you do any babysitting when you lived in La Crescenta? <laughs> I bet you he'd tweet back at you. I don't want that tweet to exist on my Twitter. Me, at Eve6, hey, did were you ever a babysitter? <laughs> in La Crescenta? I don't want that to exist on my Twitter. That would be funny though if he's if he emailed you if he tweeted tweeted back you'd be famous. Okay, I I will check to see if he was a babysitter in Locker Senate okay. and we'll we'll get to the bottom of this. Okay. All right, George, should we take a break? Let's take a. Now it's time for the that was the worst podcast ever break of the day. Welcome back to That Was The Worst Podcast Ever. Um, today, Justin and me, Jordan, are talking about the great Sufjan Stevens record, Seven Swans. Um, Justin, I don't know about you, but Seven Swans for me was uh, kind of a pivotal record in my kind of music listening time. I remember um, being... So my first big breakthrough was... Or my first... Yeah, what I think is my first big breakthrough was grade, in grade 11. It was with Radiohead. I got Kid A and Amnesiac, and those records really meant a lot mm. to me. And then mm-hmm. I just kind of started, I don't know, uh, exploring a lot of kind of al- kind of weirder alternative rock, that kind of thing. But slowly I remember starting to think, you know what? I think I really like folk music. I think that's really where mm-hmm. my heart lies. And so, And I was also just a really kind of, as they say, different kind of Christian. <laughs> <laughs> and so, <laughs> I, <laughs> and so I, I, and I've already told the story about this, but um, really cool Bible school guy gave me this record. I popped it on in my um, Chevy car, and instantly I was like, "This is me. This is the new me." I knew it. Seven mm-hmm. Swans. How about you, Jess? What was your What was your story about this with this record? Yeah, thanks, George. Well, I just want to mention, too, Seven Swans was your introduction to Sufjan Stevens. Mm-hmm. So this was your first, you, this is how you got to know his music. Yeah. Yeah, I think Seven Swans, to me, is, it could be my favorite Sufjan record. Yeah. I think it's number one for me. Yeah. Um, and here's something, just in, in kind of Sufjan Stevens fandom and stuff, one thing I noticed is, I think it, it kind of feels like people are Sufjan fans in spite of his Christianity sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I think people f- are almost, like, surprised that they like him and surprised that they might like... Like, I was reading the Pitchfork review that came out in 2004, and it kind of was like, we were really hesitant that this was a Christian record, but we really liked the way Sufjan did it and all that. But I think for you and I... We weren't Sufjan fans in spite of his Christianity. It was almost like that was one of the big inspiring factors that you and I were in and still are in the Christian world. And we had this this album that essentially was, by, some of it is just telling scripture. Um, these It's it's Sufjan's like gospel record almost. Yeah. Is that, a, is that weird to say? No, no. That's that's re- hit the nail on the head, yeah. So I remember I ordered Seven Swans off of CheapCDs.com. I got it in Australia. At the time, I was 
I was driving in, around in a little Hyundai Excel, this little hatchback, and it had a one CD player in it. And it was kind of my one CD in my car. And so anytime I was in my car, I was listening to Seven Swans. And it, it, it really never got old. Like, I really just enjoyed listening to it. And I don't know, I come back, I come back to it every once in a while. And yeah, for me, I don't know what it is. It's kind of, it's Sufjan a little bit stripped down, I think. There's, and I was trying to think about what makes this my favorite album. And I want to ask you this too is um, he's not dealing with a state to write about. And so the subject matter just kind of being his faith is kind of the only through line through it all. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of found it kind of like, uh, I don't know, I just kind of enjoyed the idea of interacting with Sufjan just around the simplicity of how he interacts with his faith, and for me being a person of faith as well, it just really resonated with me, and I think the music is great. Yeah, I agree. What do you, why, why do you think, like, to me also I think Seven Swans is, is a standalone. It's kind of, it's unique to his other releases. Yeah. Would you, am I off on that? No, no, I don't think so. I think... Uh... So I can't actually remember exactly how it went, but I actually think this record, he he recorded it before Michigan, actually. He just released it after. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think this is, this is uh, something he probably wrote in Bible school, a lot of these songs. Um, and I, I still appreciate it so much based on the fact that it is a faith-based record. I just think, actually, something in that same Pitchfork review, because I read it too, that they were saying was that, you know, like... The, the modern approach to art being kind of untethered from religion is unique in history. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and, and they kind of have a more in spite of view, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. But I actually just think that historically, the way art and, and religion were paired was just a lot better. And this kind of feels more like... A, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what I'm saying. But basically, I'm, ju- I'm saying that like there's, there's a modern approach that's basically like a very Americanized kind of like selling Christianity as some kind of product or something. You know, like it's the yeah. message. It's the, you know, uh, um, it's kind of co- feels coercive. Um, yeah. Or it feels almost like you know, like someone writing a song for a commercial or something, and you know, uh-huh. the product is Jesus. And exactly. And this was different than that. It felt like. Um, an expression of faith that was artful and um, respectable, which is, and it, yeah. And it wasn't his attempt to be like, these are the songs that will make the folk indie scene come to Jesus or something. Yeah. It, it's just his authentic. And I think what the Pitchfork Review said is, we may not be into this faith, but it is compelling watching somebody, somebody watching Sufyan just express why he is into it, mm-hmm. without the agenda, without. And I think what I think really where Christianity has gone wrong, in in our lifespan, is that 
art always had an agenda. And I think we talked about this in previous episodes where it's like, you like Blink-182? Well, we got Christian Blink-182. It's like, you yeah. do, like No Doubt? We got Christian No Doubt. You can have all the, uh, that the world has and you can, you know, and it, it <laughs> yeah. all had like kind of, kind of an agenda and a sales pitch to it. But Seven Swans is, it's not that at all. It's just Sufjan expressing something that's meaningful to him and important to him. And whether you are a Christian or not, I think you can appreciate that it's just we're just seeing him not necessarily he's not really trying to sell anybody on it. Yeah. And and I think he he writes it in kind of artful and and good storytelling ways. And um yeah, I should let you talk. No, no, I mean I I just do think it it is I mean he, here's the thing I guess it's like all art is written from a paradigm. You know, everyone has a paradigm. Everyone has a philosophy. Everyone subscribes to a belief system. Um, yeah. And usually the people who make great art don't have a kind of a theologically structured belief system. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I think that when you see someone whose belief system is religious make great art, I don't know, especially as a religious kid, I think you feel more identified with or you, you feel inspired that, yeah, you, you're not a joke. Maybe you're actually not a joke. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think it really resonated with us because it was like, wow, music written for and about God can be appreciated by all and good. Yeah. You know, which... Which at the time, 2004, like that actually was really important and was really special. Yeah, totally. I remember being in like grade nine or grade eight and I loved the Sea Fox, and <laughs> which is uh, a radio station here. It was just like an alternative rock station. Everyone was super badass. All the DJs were badass. But I remember yeah. one time being like, I'm going to serve the Lord today. So I called Sea Fox and was like, on the request line <laughs> and i requested dc talk jesus freak oh jordan <laughs> and the djs just outright made fun of me they were like we don't pl we only play the devil's music on here i was like haha very funny guys i think that's exact actually exactly what i said Anyone? What I wouldn't give for just a tape recording of that <laughs> yeah. there was something so instilled in us of like um, taking religious persecution in the Bible, which was really bad, which was like killing and 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 in our context, it was just like calling in a radio station <laughs> to be like, yeah. you should play Christian music, and then being made fun of, or it was like walking around high school holding a Bible, and we were just like, we're being so persecuted, yeah. oh. or flagpole prayer. And all the other kids yeah. make fun of you, but you do it anyway. Yeah. And and just like <laughs> we are persecuted. It's the same as like first century uh, Christians that were like yeah. being crucified upside down. But that's so. still kind of actually like an American Christianity narrative, which is just I know. I just, I just can't do it anymore. I just can't do it anymore. It's like <laughs> taking the Christ out of Christmas. How can we live in this persecution, you know? Starbucks cops say ho, ho, ho. <laughs> you know, have you ever, yeah. Meanwhile, like, 
uh, I think we were talking about this. The the calendar is based on like the birth of Jesus. It's like it's it is so the dominating belief that it's so bizarre to feel persecuted. And but some of that persecution coming back to Sufyan is because I think people like the radio DJs are not interested in music that has like a religious conversion agenda. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's almost like a Jehovah's Witness knocking on your door during dinner. It's just like, I didn't ask for this right now. I don't want this right now. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true. And th that was always like, as a, you know, as a young adult, that was always kind of the narrative that we emphasized was like, you know, I think that Christianity makes bad art. And so people don't feel compelled by it. But I do think that there's also an aspect too, where it's like, this is not our belief system. And so yeah. and, and it feels foreign to us too. And I get that, you know, yeah. like I don't blame people for that. Sure. I just, I, I, I don't completely buy the idea that like, the only reason why Christian art was like never taken seriously in the kind of secular world was just mm -hmm. because it was bad. There was a lot of bad, but I, I think <laughs> that there was also just kind of like, you know, it just felt foreign to a lot of people. Yeah, I think you're right. But I, I, I appreciate Sufjan Stevens in some ways for, um, I think making this record and, and, and probably having, maybe having some trepidation about Christian music or being identified as a Christian artist or, I don't know. I, I don't know. I know that yeah. uh, Daniel Smith, is that his name? Yeah. From the Danielson mm -hmm. family. So he uh, produced the record mm -hmm. and, and I'm studio. pretty sure, and recorded it. Mm -hmm. So, and I know that his family, actually really beautiful Christian family. Like, yeah really awesome parents it looks like had uh probably created a lot of space for Sufyan as he was developing and, and growing up and and recording music so this is kind of the only record with sounds familiar the the Daniels Smith's record label and has some of that influence which was a very Christian uh family mm -hmm. um and but uh yeah I don't know. What do you think of the sound? It's a, it's got a lot of banjo. Yeah, banjo heavy. I mean, they're they're really just kind of what I think Sufjan does best, which is just really beautiful folk songs that are personal and intimate and have a little bit of oddity to balance the accessibility. Um, yeah, I I think I also think that um, um, all the trees of the field. All the trees of the field will clap their hands is in my, in my, well, it's, it's my, maybe my favorite opening track of any record ever. Like, I just think yeah. that's just such a great intro, that banjo plucking, and it's instantly just kind of haunting and uh, just draws you in. And the first lyric, like, if I'm alive this time next year, like, what a great mm. opening lyric for, mm -hmm. for a record. Yeah. And Maybe it's because Seven Swans doesn't have those industrial sounds that we talked about on Michigan, you know, and and even on Illinois, some of those 
probably those detours into ex more experimental. Seven Swans really kind of stays in this one lane. Yeah. And I th I think we just have to admit it's the Jordan Justin lane. It's the yeah. It's the one stream of Sufjan that we really like. And so yeah. it's kind of obvious that this would be our favorite, right? right. Like Carrie and Lowell too. I I'd say it's like that. Oh yeah, Carrie and Lowell's also up there. Um, so let's talk about highlights, Jory. You mentioned all the trees of the field will clap their hands. I agree. Mm -hmm. I love that song. Mm -hmm. uh, any other highlights for you? Um, the dress looks nice on you is a classic too. Uh, you mentioned. Yeah, that I'm gonna play some of this. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Hold you said maybe I would. Um, you wanted me to sing that at your wedding, but then you got you got um, vetoed by your. Uh, main, mainstream wife <laughs> yeah so I wanted this to be our first dance oh right right which I believe was your sister's first dance if I'm remembering correctly oh yeah that that, that makes sense yeah because I was kind of like they did what I wanted to do um, Courtney's my mainstream wife <laughs> we should refer to her as my mainstream wife yeah. that is the dumbest thing um, <laughs> but Courtney my mainstream wife said it's not really a dance tempo it's hard to dance to and I think she's actually right I don't know how, how to even slow dance yeah I mean I don't know but I I agree though this to me is a huge highlight on the album it might be my favorite song on the album I really and, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I did some research. I, I've always, I remember being kind of a younger, um, like, into like kind of theology light. I always thought that it was like, and the dress looks nice on you. Uh, I imagine that he was writing it from like the perspective of Christ to the church. Mm hmm. Um, That's beautiful. And that it was the that it was the bride that he was singing about, but. That's pretty, I don't know. Now I I did some research, and apparently he wrote the song when he was about this experience he had when he was 14, his first girlfriend. Uh-huh. Um, I know this story. And like they, like, would drive around to different little, to different malls or something, and she they went to the, to the mall once, and she tried a dress on, and she asked, what do you think of the dress? And he said, uh, it's, it's confused or something. It looks confused. Yeah. And then yeah, she, he said it was all kind of like eclectic or... Yeah. Yeah, and he said it's confused. And then she said, you're, that's not what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to say the dress looks nice on you. <laughs> yeah, I remember... I can't... I don't have it anymore. I lost it, but I had that bootleg of him live in Toronto. And he tells that story, and, he's, and then he just says, I learned that when a girl asks, you just say, the dress looks nice on you, and then everybody kind of laughs, and then he goes into the song. Mm. I'm not totally convinced that's actually... I, I'm not totally convinced he wrote the song based on that. I think he found a funny anecdote to introduce the song. Which is something that, like, yeah, I, I do that do you, all the time, yeah. Jordan, you do? Well, I just... Sometimes songs are about lots of things, you know, like... And sometimes you don't want to tell the world what they're about, so you have to make something up. Totally. Not that he made this up, but I think he thought this is a funny anecdote for this song i yeah the other thing because obviously it's not about a girl in a dressing room that's just you know 
Yeah. It's because it does have these, these a lot more kind of like metaphysical, like, uh, um, insinuations. Don't you think? Like there's lots of stuff yeah. about like, kind of like when the world w- looks back, when the face looks after that, like, it's like, yeah, there's gotta be some kind of, he's making a statement about humanity or something. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And this, this uh, famously was the song I learned on guitar mm. and you have to like capo it up and I would play it in my room in YWAM and I, I hoped people would notice it and instead somebody just came by and was like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember my friend Stevie who introduced me to uh, Sufjan and also denies us calling it Sufjan, which really bugs me. Oh, yeah, he, he said, yeah, we, we need to talk about that at some point. Stevie says he never called it Sufwan. He probably just went Sufjan like everybody else at the time. It was Sufwan anyway. Stevie's like you. I think he just enjoys stirring things up. It was Sufwan. <laughs> but he, this also, I'll be a lawyer. I'm going to shed doubt on Stevie's ability to listen to things. Is we would listen to this in my car and the line... I can see a bed and make it too, is what Sufyan says. Mm-hmm. He was adamant that the line was, I can see you better naked too. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought that's what it was for a while too. I can see you better naked too. <laughs> I mean, I actually think that's a good line. Like, that's true, isn't it? Like, to be, you know, figuratively and literally, it's like, you really see someone when they're naked. <laughs> the premise falls apart. Does the dress look nice or is she naked? Hello? Yeah, it could be like, you know, maybe he was just being really badass, like, you know, yeah, girl, I think that dress looks nice on you, but honey, I could see you better naked. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the only problem, though, is that that's not the lyric. Yeah. And Sufjan would never say that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's I can see a bed and make it too. So obviously, and I would just say the the album comes out real strong. Mm-hmm. It really I, is. I think the first five tracks are really good. And I like Sister as well. I just think Sister, size too small, we won't need legs to stand. It, it does get a little bit slow, which I don't mind. Hmm. That's not how, yeah, um, I, I would agree that that's kind of maybe the, uh, like, a bit of a lull on the record. But I still think, I th- well, my favorite track on the record is A Good Man Is Hard To Find. Interesting. Okay, let's, let's hear a little bit of A Good Man Is Hard To Find. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of highlights. I, I think A uh, Good Man Is Hard To Find, first of all, it's in 5-4, which is, like, a really cool time signature that I love. It is pretty tricky, yeah. And I don't know, just the chord progression is so haunting. And um, uh-huh. and the lyrical content is so great, too. It's based on a Flannery O'Connor short story. <laughs> yes. And uh, <laughs> what's so funny about that? You're just making fun of me. Uh, no, no, no. I'm laughing because I find, I get Seven Swans. I f- listen to it. I find out A Good Man Is Hard to Find is based on Flannery O'Connor. I had no knowledge of Flannery O'Connor up until that point. And so I order a copy of A Good Man is Hard to Find 
and I read it, and it makes no dang sense to me at all. Mm. Have you read it? It's actually a very dark story. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, like, I remember reading it and being, like, it was upsetting. Like, the end of the story is this bandit, like, murdering the grandma. Yeah, yeah. After getting carjacked. Yeah. I, and I, I don't know if I've actually ever read it. I think that I might have just read some synopsis, some, some synopses at one point <laughs> yeah. or something. Because I do know yeah. the story, but I don't remember actually ever reading it. And I, with a lot of Flannery O'Connor, I just kind of go, I'm, I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to take away from this. And some of her stories, I get it, but this one I never really... I should ask Sufjan. Sufjan, if you're listening, you want to come on and explain what we're supposed to get. <laughs> come on, yeah, come on, But Suf. what do you... Because with the song, is he just retelling the, the short story, or, or is he kind of giving meaning to it? Or? Um, well... Uh, yeah, I, I don't actually know. I don't know it well enough, actually. This is where well, wanting to present as a well-informed person and the actual reality of it clash for me. But I... I well, I think what I remember is the, the story is about, like, this grandmother kind of in denial. And I think it might be that, like, she and the criminal... She thinks she's so much better than everybody else, but actually... She's not. But isn't there like a moment of grace at the end where she's like, "You're, I'll treat you as one of my you children. You look just like, yeah, she's like, you look just like one of my babies right before she like gets murdered. Yeah. Yeah, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah. That actually is kind of a beautiful part of the story. I think, you know, I actually was listening to this podcast the other day talking about like semiotics or like symbolism and, and the different kinds of symbolism and how like most people are more comfortable with symbolism like say like Narnia you know, like C.S. Lewis Narnia, where it's kind of like Aslan is Jesus, you know, yes. the witch is the devil. And I mean, not to, yes. not to make knock Narnia. I love, I love Narnia. I, I love those. Way books. to go after beloved author C.S. Lewis. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that in, in my view, a much more compelling symbolism is one that isn't just like a direct translation of reality. It actually tells a yeah. story about, truth you know it 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 embodies an idea um yeah more than just kind of like recreates the story in a new way you know yeah yeah and that's what i i mean again i don't know it well enough to actually give you an interpretation but i think i get the impression that that's what a good man is hard to find is is like it you have to actually spend some time like uh contemplating it to really let it sink in yeah and I'm actually really grateful for Sufjan getting me into Flannery O'Connor because I there then I just went on to read a lot of her stories and I think she writes parables. I think they like shock you and they they make you sit with it and go, what does this mean? I actually think she she in the tradition of Jesus like told parables so well that that really made you just be like, what does that mean? Yeah, you know, and so. Um, Really, another really funny anecdotal thing is the copy I got of A Good Man is Hard to Find. It's yellow, and it has the grandmother on it with, like, peacock feathers behind her. And my mainstream wife, Courtney, her favorite movie at the time before, the time that I met her, 
is this mainstream movie called Win a Date with Tad Hamilton. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it was, like, her favorite movie at the time. Mm-hmm. And the kind of, like, the, the character that you root for to get the girl, there's a scene in it where he's reading that exact edition of A Good Man is Hard to Find. And I, I remember having it, like, on my desk as we watched that movie together. And it was this moment where she was like, you are that, you are that guy to me. Like, like, meaning, like, it was a sign that I was the one. Oh, wow. So, really, in the end, <laughs> that book created the life you have now. Created the lives of all three of your children. Well, I think things were going pretty well up until that point. Oh, okay. But it was like... The just the coincidence that the main character in her favorite movie was reading that book. Well, at the time that I was reading that book, yeah, it was meant to be, wow. and I have Sufjan to thank for it. Yeah, wow. Is there anything he doesn't do? I know he <laughs> he helped me get married. Yeah. Um. <laughs> any I I want to throw out there to be alone with you. Uh huh. I kind of feel like. It almost feels maybe cliche now. Like it's a bit, I don't know, on the record, maybe it stands out as maybe the one. It's like the where the streets have no name on Joshua Tree. Like, I don't know, like maybe it's been played a little too much. Like it was on the OC soundtracks and stuff. Huh. But is that the smash hit from this record, do you think? It's so stupid to say it like that. No, no, but you're like, right. It is, it is the single kind of, isn't it? I kind of feel that way. Yeah. And I also, I also think maybe people might react to this being one of his most blatant love songs about God. Mm-hmm. It is really beautiful. And it's so, so good. The lyrics are so good. Especially as a person, a religious person, it's to me very, very meaningful. Oh yeah, I remember showing this. I, I was going to this church when I was like 21 or something, or 22, and like being like, uh, and having this new church and show. I remember like I was over at the pastor's house, and yeah, and you. I think you know them actually. Anyway, sure. And uh, I showed them this song, and they were like appalled they were like appalled they were like jesus didn't give up a wife and a family (laughs) sure did (laughs) it's true how could they be appalled i'm so surprised that story took such a turn i I thought they were gonna love it no they didn't they were like what what does he talk they were like this is just blasphemous or whatever well they didn't say blasphemous i am shocked (laughs) but they're like jesus didn't give up a wife and a family he he was destined not to have a wife and a family. He didn't have to give it up. Well, he didn't have one, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was weird. I don't know what the difference is. Yeah. He still didn't have one. Yeah. Unless you're one of those Da Vinci coders out there. <laughs> <laughs> if you are, uh, <laughs> please turn this podcast off right now and stop. Th- throw listening. your... Yeah. Go ahead and unsubscribe if you love the Da Vinci code. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, no, but even that, I actually, to me, I thought that was one of the more beautiful lines. You gave up a wife and a family. You gave your ghost. Like, what a beautiful line. And Abraham is another one that I really love. I think Abraham 
is a huge highlight for me. Do you like that one? Yeah, I think we're what's going to end up happening is that we're just going to go through the whole record and name every song as a highlight. But yeah, it's <laughs> true. Because I was also going to say, I, "In the Devil's Territory" is an awesome song too. Uh, like when I put I put this record on this morning when I was getting ready, and that song came on, I was like, "Oh yeah, this song, it's so yeah. good." Um, yeah. But yeah, Abraham's a great song. Just a great, it's a great story. Great retelling yeah. of the story. And it really is just a telling of the story, right? Pretty much. Does he? I don't know if he really gives much of his own commentary on it. No, I don't think so. But it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I need, to, I need to stop saying that. That's all I say is it's like, this is beautiful. No, it's good. Um, but this one really is okay for my critics out there. Just kidding. My <laughs> biggest... Hey, guys, my biggest critic lives inside my head. Wow. That's deep. <laughs> That's deep, man. <laughs> I know. I'm like Sufjan. Um, okay, let's listen to In the Devil's Territory. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Well, this record's great. Every every song. Yeah. But this, yeah, this one, the, we got to listen to the, is it a two banjos? The, yeah, I think it is, yeah. That's just so good. And I hate to be my... I hate to be so white and 35, but I love Sufjan with his banjo. I miss his banjo. <laughs> There's some banjo Sufjan with a banjo is great. Is there any banjo in the Ascension? I don't know. We need to get, we need to talk about the Ascension. We need to get to that. Let's save our thoughts. Okay. But I haven't actually listened to it that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think He Woke Me Up Again is a great little pop tune. Yeah, he woke me up again. Is good. Yeah, and again, some more ban- banjo on there. Mm-hmm. Jordan, do you have some criticisms? Or oh, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. Is there anything else you wanted to say about he woke me up again? Um, no, I don't know. I just remember. I don't know. I I, I just really like this tune. I don't know. I have nothing to say about it. Cut this out. Edit. Edit. Um, no, I'm gonna <laughs> leave it in because. It's good. I, this is a good song. Yeah, I really like this song. Period. Um, mm. Criticisms. Um, I I have very few criticisms. I, I'd say maybe the song Seven Swans drags a little bit. Um, yeah. It feels a little bit... It's like heavy, but it's supposed to feel heavy. It's supposed to be this kind of like, you know, holy in the... It, it almost reminds me of like iconography. Like it's kind of like spooky almost in a way mm-hmm. um seven swans seven swans mm-hmm. but then yeah yeah at the end <laughs> i don't know it kind of just jams out for quite a while and this it's it's too long a little bit yeah there's my criticism yeah it's too, too long yeah. six minutes and 33 seconds yeah yeah and we don't need we won't need legs to stand i'm not huge about mm. I just, yeah, I just don't. I actually think we won't need legs to stand in that kind of thing. It's, uh, I can't remember, but it's in like kind of a darker mode. It's like a um, kind of very minory um, yeah. scale. And yeah. I actually feel like that song really inspired me to kind of do that kind of thing sometimes in my own music. Not to talk about myself. Um, well, can I just say this? 
make it stop inspiring you because I don't like it that much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> deal. Kidding. Okay, here's, um, and then there's, of course, The Transfiguration, which is a great track. And, uh, yeah. I. Oh, yeah. It's. You don't like The Transfiguration? No, what I do. The Transfiguration is uh, another oh, highlight. Yeah. It's a great ender. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's so good. And it's another kind of straightforward retelling of the scripture. Mm hmm. I don't know if he offers any commentary to this one either. I mean, yeah, I think... Oh, he does. I think he tells it in his within his own voice. Yeah. Um, I love the ending. This, this is another kind of classic Sufjan form where there's kind of like just a bunch of verses for the first half, and then at the end it kind yeah. of explodes into this coda that's yeah. just so catchy and, I don't know, inspiring. It connects theology with the transcendent and the transcendence of humanity what what so things that everyone feels and experiences and it makes those connections which i think is really hard to do it's you know yeah i don't know yeah very little criticism we just think seven swans might <laughs> drag a little bit like might the, be a little song, too long the song itself the song yeah and and that's about it otherwise it's a near perfect album so any final thoughts on seven swans jor no, I mean, I guess it's, uh, they're just hymns for a new generation. Oh, I couldn't say it any better myself. <laughs> no, I, I, it's like a, for me, it's a record that will always have a special place in my heart. I, I, yeah, I really think that it's sincere and honest, but respectable and mm -hmm. smart and, um, I will just, I just find myself coming back to it again and again. Sure. I have nothing else to add. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, should we end the episode, Jor? Our, uh, we're recording this now. Our episodes are now up and people are listening to it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I actually posted it to a Sufjan Stevens Facebook group, which I was really scared to do, but got some good feedback. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pos positive, I mean... What do you call Sufjan fans? Do they have, like, a name? Suf heads? No. Oh. No. Jordan, I feel like we're all above that. Okay. As Sufjan fans. No, I don't know. Yonsters? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a lot of the feedback I've been getting is probably that us talking about Sufjan is the worst part of the podcast. <laughs> 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 All the feedback I get is like, it's so fun just hearing you and Jordan talk. Oh, yeah. Like, you guys could just talk about anything. Yeah. I was Except like, well, we're Sufjan. actually. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. And some comments almost disparaging the Sufjan talk. Huh, really? Well, F you guys. And I just want to be like, well, it's a Sufjan podcast, but I'm glad people are enjoying our dynamic because, to be honest, I was worried that we were too, too much like talking about us and we were too much navel gazing but jor it's taken the country by storm <laughs> they love this dynamic maybe we could just talk about ourselves for an hour and then at the end be like okay seven swans love it see you next time kind of thing <laughs> well there is a magnetical pull every time we talk towards like 90s 
growing up Christian in the 90s, and I think maybe one day we just should do a full episode of just that unapologetically. Yeah, our, our worst and favorite memories of growing up evangelical in the 1990s. In the ni- I think you calling the, the rock request line <laughs> is just so good. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, that was, that's embarrassing. Yeah, I mean... I shouldn't be embarrassed. I was just a little kid, but I am a little bit embarrassed by that. Like, if my kid did that, I'd be like, "Don't be such a loser," you know? Yeah, it's like you don't ca- you don't call the jazz station and request hip hop. Yeah, like it's like it's kind of a, it's just like it's an unspoken like societal thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used to we our station was KROQ K Rock. Okay. And one time I got on the air and I requested, um, um, it was Incubus. Pardon me while I burst. Oh, yeah. What's that song Into called? Into the flames. Into flames. I requested that and then they played it and I was just like, cool. Yeah. I'm sure I requested songs that actually got played too. Isn't that crazy that you used to have to call in, wait, request a song. And then wait again to hear this song. Like that's to now it's just like click and there's my song. <laughs> it is funny to think that Spotify used to be call a radio station, <laughs> hope to get on the air, request the song, and then listen to it. And then maybe to or, record on your tape cassette off the yeah, radio. Yeah, or just yeah. Oh my gosh! Like just having a little boombox, listening to the radio, hearing your hearing Blink One Eight Eighty Two's "Damn It" start, and then just be like, "Record, record, record!" So I have it. Didn't you tell me that you actually censored those songs yourself? Like you'd record yourself being like, "Darn." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the <laughs> the specific example was "Jumper" by Third Eye Blind. I wish you would step back from that ledge, man. He, one time he, in in the song, he goes, what the hell doing here? And so I dubbed my little, like, 12-year-old voice, just go, heck. So when I had the cassette taped off the radio, it would go, what the heck? No, we're like, what, what the heck? Yeah, what the heck doing here? That's funny. Oh, man. That song is great. I'm unapologetically, unashamedly a fan of Jumper. Oh, man. If you love EV6, you got to check out Third Eye Blind. Okay, so your, <laughs> Third? So your, homework, this, your homework this week is to tweet at EV6. Ask them mm-hmm. what they think. If he's a babysitter. Ask him, ask him if he's a babysitter. Ask him if he's a babysitter. See if he... <laughs> Lie and ask if he ever babysat you. Just change this and change the narrative just to make it more interesting. I'm not gonna ask if he babysat me. Why? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm gonna say, were you a babysitter in La Crescenta in the nineties? <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Do that. But what if what does he say? What if he goes, Yeah, I totally was. Why did I babysit you? Then what will you say? You know what I'm more afraid of? He's like, no, I'm what, like, why would you ask that? No, like, and then maybe he like makes an example out of me. He's like, look at this freak. I don't think that that's, I don't even think if he did do that, that that would be so bad. Like you really care do you think it's way a, too much about pe- what Eve Six lead singer thinks about you, <laughs> don't you? 
How, well, how would you feel if someone was like, were you a babysitter? Just like a stranger. Were you I, a babysitter? You know what? Like, People sometimes so do weird. ask me stuff like that. Well, no, but you know what it's more like? Because Clausen, especially in Canada, is like an incredibly common last name in certain areas. And yeah, everybody's name is Clausen. And people will be like, hey, do you know Ida Clausen? I get those messages <laughs> all the time. It's like, no, I don't know Ida Clausen. You know how many other of us there are? Like, Do you ever have a big Clausen Canadian family reunion and it's all these Dutch, all these like beautiful Dutch people that are like, the Clausens are here. No, it's Mennonite, actually. Oh, they're not Dutch? No, it's Mennonite. Oh, my mistake. But I feel like they're all really, like, just gorgeous people. Yeah. A lot of them are... I mean, a lot of Mennonites... That's what Mennonites are known for, actually, being incredibly gorgeous. Just... <laughs> 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 like, you should see some of my aunts. Just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jordan. Well... With that said, should we end the episode? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we can see you better naked, too. <laughs> Just kidding. No. Um, uh, that's it. You lead us out. An outro. Okay. Well, guys, that was our that was the much-anticipated Seven Swans episode. I know you're all dying to hear what we thought of it, and now you have... And so stay tuned next time. We are going to look at Sufjan's breakthrough album, Illinois. And we might even just have a special guest. So stay tuned. Goodbye, everybody. And thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.